when it comes to heating up your business, it's all about making more bacon. And that requires an expert with a particular set of skills. You need a Baconologist. Building authentic connections, online networking, through social selling, relationship marketing, mindset and training. Yeah, that's bacon. Get ready, because we're about to fry up a sizzling success strategy. This is the Bacon Podcast with your host and business Baconologist, Brian Basilico. It's a lot of bees, man. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps, I am uber excited. I have a great guest. As a matter of fact, he's been on 17 other times. And out of 700 and some odd podcasts, that's not a lot, but he holds the record. He's the man, the myth, the legend coming to us from Lord knows where, Mr. Mark S.A. Smith. Mark, how you doing, man? Uh, great to be here, Brian. You know, 18 times on the show, I'm absolutely honored. I guess one of these days I'll get it right. <laughs> well, if you didn't get it right the first time, you never would have made it to number two. But uh, uh, well, 17 times, man, that's a lot. Congrats. Then I better get this one right, too. Well, I am currently in Las Vegas, although I, you know, I am a nomad and I do have plans uh, for the next 12 months to travel the nation and see extraordinary sights and be inspired by this amazing country of ours. Amen, brother. Well, today we're going to talk about business, of course, and today's topic is a ready-to-sell business is a great business, correct, sir? That's right. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things that most people don't think about is they may not be ready to sell, but it helps to treat your business as if you're going to do it. So carry on. Absolutely true. A lot of entrepreneurs fall in the trap of, this is my business. I'm going to always be doing this business. Well, um... That's not so. Your business is going to close eventually. It'll be sold eventually. It's going to come to an end eventually. And you might as well make sure that you plan from that from the start so that when you exit your business, you get maximum return on the investment of blood, sweat, and tears you put into your business. And if your business is for sale, it's operating at the peak value. It's making profit. You have customers that come back. You know exactly what you're going to do next. And so operating your business as if it's for sale is a methodology of running a very efficient, profitable business. Very true. But, you know, we're kind of in this weird period right now where there's a lot of disruption. Some people are trying to get back to where they were and other people are focusing on growing their business. But why do we need to have the mindset about selling our business when all we're trying to do is keep it afloat and keep ourselves alive, right? <laughs> well, never stop trying to grow your business as much as you want to grow is the first thing. Uh, the, the reality is that stuff happens. Uh, we have life events. We get divorced. We have a child that uh, has special needs and it, they require more energy and money than we have in our available to us in the moment. Uh, we may have a, a health issue that causes us to not be able to devote the energy and time to our business that we usually could. It could also be that uh, you just get sick and tired and you want to go do something else. You want to do what I'm doing, you know, sell it all and travel the country. And to do that requires you to either pivot your business or to get rid of your business. So for all those reasons, it's good to have your business ready to sell. 
The other thing is if you ever wake up in the morning for more than a couple of weeks in a row and you just don't want to get out of bed because it feels hard, it's time for you to do something different. It's time for you to move on or it's time for you to pivot. So you may just get sick and tired of doing, of doing that work. Or it could also be there's a shift in the marketplace. Um, a lot of restaurants went out of business because of uh, lockdowns. So you have to be ready to make adjustments to marketplace, lifestyle, life demands at any point in time, as well as what we started off with is that a, a business that's for sale is always a great business. Yeah. And, you know, people always think that, you know, because they're running their business, it's worth a lot more money than it might be on the open marketplace, right? I mean, they overvalue this. Every time. Every time. Yeah, we often think our business is, you know, worth a million dollars, a gazillion dollars, because we have the best idea in the world. But I think that, you know, there's that too close to the forest to see the trees thing with processes. So what have you found over the course of time that people who are considering buying a business are looking for? What are some of the KPIs they need to buy? Sure. What do business buyers look for? Well, they're either buying a cash flow. In other words, they're purchasing an ongoing ATM that's going to be spitting out cash as long as they can maintain the operation. So that's a business that's that's profitable. It has a, sta a stable income. It has stable vendors. It has a stable employees. So they're purchasing a cash flow. They're essentially purchasing a regular paycheck for themselves because of the ongoing operation. They could be buying intellectual property that they wish to incorporate into their business. So they could be buying software, or they could be buying a patent, or they could be buying some copyrighted material. And then their job is to fold that into their existing portfolio to prevent competitive attack, expand the value, provide value for a, a, a specific customer that's saying, I need for you to add this capability if you want me to continue doing business with you. So they could be purchasing intellectual property. They could be purchasing people. It's not unusual today for a company to be purchased to have access to the top leadership who will then be redirected in a different place in a different space, they may shut down that business's operations and have the leadership reassigned. You know, heck, it's actually in some cases cheaper to buy a company, shut it down and reassign the leaders than it is to go out and recruit those leaders as a team. As strange as it sounds, I am completely aware of that being a scenario. So they're either buying your operation they're buying your prop intellectual property or they're buying your talent. Yeah, and not only your talent as in your employees, but your knowledge and experience as well. So over the course of time, I think businesses tend to kind of make their businesses Instagram-y. Yeah. Meaning that they're, you know, kind of in their own mind, they're making it look better than it really mm -hmm. is. And what they have to be able to do uh, is really kind of look at the big picture and find some things that maybe work for them, but may not work for somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. 
I mean, something like accounting, you know, it may work for you to keep all of your records on spreadsheets, but if somebody's looking to purchase a business, mm -hmm. it makes more sense that, you know, you have an accountant who can produce the right report, so you have somebody internally that can do that and, you know, kind of give real numbers real quick. And I think that, you know, we need an outside eye to come in and look at our processes as if they were a buyer ahead of time so that we can kind of get ourselves prepped so somebody who's going to buy the business or looking at it will have a good perspective, right? Well, it's it would start with um, perhaps talking to a business broker and saying, hey, I'm thinking about putting my business on the market. Will you help me come in and do an evaluation? You could also talk to your banker and say, I need to come up with some business valuations for to figure out whether I want to sell this or if I want to grow this. Will you help me with evaluation so I can figure out how much money I can borrow or how much I can sell this for? Bankers are really, really good at looking at a business and saying, nope, that's not going to work. Or yeah, this looks pretty darn good. Your accountant isn't in a good shape to do that. They might be able to, but in general, in general, CPAs are historians. They're not really good at at forward looking uh, as a banker would be, because a banker's a banker has the eye of will I get paid back? <laughs> Can I make some money? Well, yeah. I mean, that's uh, kind of important, it, it, right? It is the third the third approach you can take is do it yourself. There are books that you can get such as Finish Big by Bo Burlingham and Get Acquired for Millions by Linda Rose. Linda's book is extraordinary. All of my clients are, it's required reading. Uh, and uh, so that is a great book in helping you figure out what are the some of the things they have to do. Linda has bought and sold lots and lots of companies in the technology space and she's done a really good job identifying from an owner standpoint those things that you have to pay attention to. And there's also companies out there that'll help you evaluate uh, your business. Um, Built to Sell, John Warlow, that's another great book to read if you're planning on selling your company. And he has authorized consultants that will come in do an analysis, 10-point analysis of the things you need to pay attention to and uh, to figure out how you can best get your, your company into business. And a lot of times the John Warlow uh, consultants are quite cost effective. They don't charge a lot of money given the fact that uh, they, they provide with a lot you with a lot of value. Yet you can buy Warlow's built to sell and get a lot of that information yourself. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that you'll be looking at and the buyer will be looking at is is more than 10% of your business come from a single vendor or, or a single customer. That's a big warning sign because if you lose that customer, essentially you're no longer viable as a business. I personally have had that experience where I had a very large account that due to no fault of our company, they canceled, they canceled everybody's contract back in the, the late 2000s. And uh, we, we got kicked to the curb. And we had to completely reinvent ourselves, and that was that was uh, that was a that was a hell of a lot of work. I can only imagine. They're going to also look at is uh, does your business rely on uh, a, a single vendor to provide you with the logistics that are required? A lot of people are getting pinched by that. They don't. They have vendors that are 
you know, 16 week delivery on critical uh, assemblies. Mm -hmm. And that right now is causing real problems for a number of companies. And they're having to change how they do business to be able to handle that. And the same thing, do you have one key employee that if they disappeared, a lot of the business would disappear. That could be sales, it could be marketing, it could be you as the owner of the company. And, and so that type of situation is going to help identify the flaws uh, that you're going to uh, need to rectify if you're going to be a viable business so that the investor is going to get their money back. Yeah, I mean, it's common sense. So whether you're getting the advice free from a banker or whether you need to outlay some money, maybe look at a consultant to come in to give you perspective and even a business broker. I mean, you should ask them up front, do they do strategic consulting? Do they work with a business valuation specialist or do they have people that can help you pull back the layers of the onion to to know what's going on in your business, right? Yeah, some will, some won't. So what? Pick one that does for you. I mean, business brokers take a nice percentage of your purchase mm -hmm. of the sale price. So they're a lot of time, they're like a real estate agent and that they're willing to come in and help you stage your business <laughs> so it sells. <laughs> right. And, you know, when I was talking with the business broker this weekend, I was, you know, doing the comparison that we're looking to downsize our house and we have to clean stuff yeah. out of it and rearrange furniture. And there's so many different things that we have to do. And one of the challenges is my wife loves the way the house looks. So, he mentioned the same thing happens with business owners. They're headstrong about their processes and what they've done. But I think the next piece is taking a look at your business from a holistic standpoint and starting to invoke the change that's necessary to make the business look and feel more saleable. The first thing is processes. Do you have an operations manual that you could hand to a seller and they could take over operations without ever having another conversation with you? So that's going to help you immensely in identifying your systems and the, the process blocks. So, so the system is the accumulation of all the pieces that allows you to run your business. And the, the process blocks are things such as sales and marketing and customer service and product development and finance and infrastructure and all those elements that are required to run the business. And each of those process blocks need to be defined so people know how to execute that process. Then those process blocks will boil down to a whole pile of procedures, which are the individual task lists, the checklists that your team performs either routinely or on demand. And start off with that process um, documentation. So all you have to do is document what you do, and then you do what you document. And if you go back to the conversation that we had, Brian, on how executives delegate without losing control, uh, we outlined an, uh, a way of how do you record those processes? How do you break them out that you can then assign to other people? But once you have the processes all outlined, that's essentially the cookbook on how to run your business. And ideally, that's a cookbook that you can use to grow so you hire somebody to add more functions, you should be able to hand them that procedural component of that book, and they should be able to be able uh, to, to be able to execute to that. 
So that's one thing that your buyer is going to need. And by documenting your processes and then following those processes, you have a much higher probability of consistent success, even if you don't sell the business. You now have that cookbook that you can go back to. So as you grow, you don't have to remember everything that's required to run the business. So we start with process. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I tell my customers is you should be looking at your website and your messaging every three years because technology changes, your audience changes, heck, you change. And if you're not looking at the messaging, your business may have changed itself out of business, right? <laughs> well, it's, that's true unless you're selling something like power. <laughs> but even, even then, the messaging is going to be changing uh, over time. So yes, that would be the second thing we have to take a look at is what is your marketing like? And marketing is the engine that drives sales. And ideally you have a marketing plan that's funded and formal. So you can identify, for example, every dollar you spend in marketing is going to result in $20 in sales. And so if you show that to a potential buyer, they're going to say, okay, then my question is how quickly can I spend a million dollars on marketing? Because that's going to make me $20 million in sales as long as I follow the recipe that you've outlined in your processes. So that marketing becomes an important component because funding marketing is one of the things that a buyer is going to examine to see how they can up-level the businesses that they're buying. So have a formal funded marketing plan where you're tracking every dollar and understanding the impact of that marketing on your business. Of course, that's your area of expertise. Well, thank you. And uh, to build on your metaphor, what I say is marketing is the spark plug that drives the piston that is in the car of your business. Hmm. That's a nice metaphor. Sparky. Thank you, sir. Well, one of the things that I say to my customers when it comes to marketing is don't fall for the, you know, strategic tool du jour, you know, social media or SEO or those kind of things. What you really need to do is set up a strategic plan that communicates to your current, your past customers and prospects. And that helps you build your brand and valuation as well. Mm -hmm. And so aside from marketing, is there another step that we need to take to help grow the value of a business to sell it? Well, actually, there's two others that we need to pay attention to. Okay. And that, that would be sales and making sure you have a sales process and the team that can grow if your buyer adds money to the marketing budget. So if you have, if you as the entrepreneur, which is typically the case, are the salesperson, your company's fundamentally unsaleable uh, because there's nobody else doing sales. So you have to have other people in the world of sales to get that process, that project done. And, and quite frankly, if if you're responsible for sales in your in your company and something happens to you, your business is going to close. So uh, you have to take a look at the sales processes, the sales people, the sales culture as well as all the other elements around sales management, sales tracking, and sales forecasting. So that piece has to be in play. And when you do that, along with your marketing plan, formal funded marketing plan, along with your process documents, you've got a well-run company. 
your company is going to be doing all right. Yeah. And, you know, it could even be a side benefit. Maybe your company is doing so well, you don't even really want to sell it, right? You, you may not. You may want to bring in outside management and you just enjoy the cash flow that a buyer would otherwise be paying for. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I'm assuming we have another step. Is people. So we're not talking about Soylent Green. We're talking about people. It's the people piece. Well, if you've got these other pieces in place so if you've got the processes well defined then you, you should theoretically be able to hire people for each of the roles and responsibilities outlined in your systems documentation if your marketing plan is formal and funded that should be something that somebody should be able to execute based on your plan if you have a sales strategy and you have a, a sales methodology and you have all of the controls in place, theoretically, you should be able to hire salespeople with the right skill set and have them be successful. Yet the question then becomes, what about all the rest of the people, all the other folks that are in the organization? Um, if you sell the company, what's going to happen to them? Are they going to stay? Are they going to go? And John, um, Bo Burlingham, in his uh, finished big book, uh, talked about when businesses are sold, how the owners end up regretting it in many, many cases for two reasons. Reason number one is because the, the business is their identity. So when they're sitting around the club, somebody introduces themselves, you know, what do you do? I used to, <laughs> is their reluctant response. I used to run, I used to own, and anybody who's looking in the rearview mirror is not a happy camper. They're living in the past. Or, and this is the one you have to take a look at, or they're, uh, they're unhappy with the way the new buyer is treating their team. As the owner who cashed out, their team's efforts, their sweat, were part of what created that wealth. Now, of course, that's just part of capitalism. It's the fact that as managers, we buy it wholesale, we sell it retail, and that includes labor. You know, you are running a business, you are entitled to your profits, you're entitled to the, the value you generated. Yet when the company is purchased by somebody who doesn't have the same values or the same culture you do, that team may suffer. So what Bo suggests is that you do as much due diligence on the buyer as the buyer does on you and to make sure that your team is handled. Now, interestingly, one of my clients is going through this challenge currently. Their uh, company is being examined for sale and their concerns are how their customers and how their employers would be treated by the potential acquiring entity. And that's causing him a lot of consternation. And uh, so we're working through the psychological aspects of that right now in our work together. That said, that's part of what you have to consider to make sure that your company is, is, uh, is purchase ready um, so that your team is aligned and your team is ready to go. And, um, you know, they realize that everybody's going to be okay. Everybody's going to land on their feet. Absolutely. And I was listening to this one audiobook or, or Blink, Blinkist, and it was about getting a job and this person got hired and the job expectation did not work exactly the way that they anticipated and they ended up getting fired 
And the authors of the book basically said, what you need to do is do what the company is doing, and they're going to research you and your background, so it behooves you to research the company. Reach out to some people who work there, or some people who haven't worked there, or use LinkedIn and go try to find somebody that can give you some perspective. So obviously, doing research is a key thing that you must be doing, right? Gotta do your due diligence. On both ends. But that said, if you do all these things, you've got a great company that's running well mm -hmm. and you're, you're making money. Uh, one of the things that I see in entrepreneurial businesses is that most entrepreneurs pay themselves about $35 an hour when they take into account all the hours they work and the compensation that they pay themselves. Yep. And, you know, heck, every entrepreneur could go out and, and certainly get hired at more than the $70,000 a year that $35 an hour represents in an ordinary business situation. So if, if you are underpaying yourself, then you're not valuing your part of the business as much as you should. And so you may want to pay attention to how you are compensating yourself. And if you're not willing to increase that compensation, then you have to be willing to cash out to take the deferred payment that you've been uh, living with that scenario mm -hmm. <laughs> at some point in time. You've got to make your money back for all this investment that you put in your time. Otherwise, entrepreneurship is nothing more than a low paying job with an SOB for a boss that makes you work evenings and weekends. Mm -hmm. So to summarize, we want to get our businesses ready to sell by working the processes, doing our marketing, and working with people to get the business in a position that would be amicable for sale, but not necessarily for sale. Yes, indeed. And if all those things are in place, then growth becomes easy for your business, as well as liquidation becomes easy should something unfortunate happen. Well, we absolutely don't wish that for any of our listeners, but sir, you have dropped some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps. I so appreciate you. And if people wanted to get in touch with you, can you tell my peeps how to do exactly that? Uh, easiest way is let's connect on LinkedIn. Marks on LinkedIn.com, M-A-R-K-S on LinkedIn.com. We'll, we'll take you directly to my profile. Don't only use HTTP. It's a redirect link. I've worked with a number of businesses that we've prepped to sell, which is where my knowledge comes from. I work with companies specifically on business growth as a business growth strategist. And, uh, and of course, I'm always writing books and articles and things like that. And I'd be delighted to learn from you and to share with you. Well, awesome, Mark. And thank you again for coming on and sharing your wisdom with my peeps. It has been awesome. <laughs> and uh, from lovely lost wages to the interwebs, if you want to follow Mark's adventures with me, go to li4sales.com. He's on multiple bacon and coffees. And you can always listen to any of his past episodes on the Bacon Podcast. All 17, now 18 of them. Man, I look forward to number 19, my friend. Thanks. Likewise, my friend. Thank you for letting us sprinkle some bacon bits into your brains. Want some more? Learn more about this podcast and our guest experts at baconpodcast.com. Have questions? Send them to askbrian at baconpodcast.com. Until next time, keep sizzling. And remember, it's all about the bacon.